Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we talk with our good mate, Pete Fairburn. Pete, happy new year to you, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? Happy new year to you too and, and to all the listeners over there uh, across the ditch. Yeah, look, mate, to be fair, we're all, um, we're all, well, well, we're okay. I mean, it's still the new year, but it's been, it's been raining here for literally since the start of January. It's, I don't know what it's like. What's it like in Aussie? Don't tell me it's, it's perfect sunshine. Uh, mate, you probably don't want me to answer the question. Uh, I mean, look, I did actually spend, uh, I spent nearly two weeks in New Zealand down in the South Island over the Christmas New Year break. And, oh, yes. And it was beautiful weather down there. Yes. Um, but I have heard that, unfortunately, uh, the Aucklanders are, have been struggling a bit over uh, over the last last week or two. So, fingers crossed that's, uh, that's on the back burner pretty soon for you. Yeah, let's hope so, mate. Look, but the good news is uh, there has been a ton of sport on over uh, this Christmas New Year period. And we always, and look, we always love watching the cricket as well, especially, I mean, for us in New Zealand, yes, we watch the Black Caps play, but we also love the Boxing Day tests with Australia and whoever you get to play against. And, you know, the, the series was against South Africa. I want to ask you, uh, Pete, because, you know, let's be fair, it was a bit of a demolition. Was it because this was just an Aussie side humming on all, firing on all cylinders and a South African side that aren't very good? Or, or what happened? Well, mate, it's a little bit like the little girl in the taco ad. Why not both? I think, um, you know, we're, we're kind of wrestling with this a little bit over here in Australia at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll be able to give a better answer in six months because we've got a tour of India and then a, an Ashes series in England to come, and that'll give us a really good illustration of yes. where we actually sit in the picking order after dismantling the West Indies and, and South Africa in the home summer. Um, look, I, I think it is a good Australian team. I, I think, um, you know, I, I think if you look at some of the partnerships within the team, and, and you know, cricket is very much a, t- a sport where you look at individuals and then you look at a squad of 11, but mm. if you... If you go the other way, you look at Warner and Kawaja, how well they bat, bat together and the chemistry they have. You look at Labuschagne and Smith, two unbelievable um, cricketers with, with test averages, you know, north of 60. That's ridiculous. Very weird units. Um, yeah, very, very idiosyncratic at the pit, at the crease, and but, a, but love batting together. You look at, at, you know, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood as a duo. You know, Troy Lyon in the mix as a bowling unit. And there are all these little kind of teams within the team that seem to be really gelling. Um, yeah. you know, Travis Head, um, you know, the big question mark on Travis Head, is he going to be able to do it outside of Australia? Because um, he's built a pretty compelling record in test matches at home. But South Africa, on the other hand, gee, they were awful. Um, mm. You know, we had concerns heading into the series that they might not be up to much. You had, um, you know, I think only one or two batsmen in the squad with a first-class average over 40, okay. um, which is a little bit of a worry. and. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of chat over, you know, this side of the Tasman at the moment about how South Africa and the West Indies are indicative of, you know, the current state of, of world cricket. We're really beyond, um, you know, the four or five biggest nations. For, mm. for the other nations, there's very little incentive for those players to want to play longer format cricket when they can make significantly more money 
travel the world and have greater freedom as a franchise cricketer in abbreviated form. So mm. um, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. And, and look, New Zealand's not exempt from that, no. are you? We've seen a number of no. players you know, playing in our Big Bash and yep. Trent Bolt, Colin Munro, Jimmy Neesham, Colin de Gronholm, yep. Martin Guptill, uh, you know, all of these guys who, who want to you know, have you know, complete control over their own destiny and, and want to take advantage of opportunities to have greater freedom and, and, and greater earning capacity by playing in overseas leagues. So it doesn't augur well for Test cricket um, you know, as a format. And, and, and really, I think we, ne- we need to look at how the ICC can actually um, implement a, a calendar and a program that, that allows these, um, I won't even say smaller or weaker test playing mm. nations. I mean, South Africa is a, a nation that we would expect to be in, in the top Absolutely. You know, half dozen, let alone you know, the top three yep. or four countries in the world. So we need to find a solution and get them back there because test cricket's got to be protected. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, I know when I heard it, you know, South Africa was playing Aussie, oh, this is great, this is awesome. But maybe in my head I'm thinking about the old South Africa, you know, that not this current crew because, yeah, you guys took them apart. A bit like, you know, the Windies, we, we always think of the glory days and that's not there anymore. And we look over here, you mentioned Trent Bolt. Uh, we've got an upcoming series against England. We need him to play. He lives, you know, the first test is not far from where he lives. He's coming back from some 2020 thing. They've said that, oh, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to play him because of his workload. He's been playing twenty twenty. There's no workload. It's it's just terrible. Yeah, look, and and you know, I I would hate to to try and suggest that you know using organisations like FIFA and UEFA as the gold standard for for player well being or for um, you know um, you know administrative uh, control is is the gold standard we want to refer to. But the reality is that you look at at football as a global sport and the way that their windows work and allow international football and club football to, to coexist so effectively. We know that in rugby union, this has been the challenge for so long, trying to find a global a global calendar that will suit the southern and northern hemispheres and, and the, you know, the, um, the, the, the kind of competitions that we have, you know, Super Rugby, the URC, the Pro 14, etc. Mm. Um, but, but cricket's got to do something and, and they've got to find a way to... To maybe look at some windows where there, you know, you don't have international cricket, um, you know, overlapping with with some of these key franchise competitions. I know that in the the new broadcast deal here in Australia for cricket, which was announced um, about a fortnight ago, mm. the Big Bash will actually take about a 25-30% reduction in the number of fixtures played oh, wow. once that broadcast deal commences, which which is fantastic. Is what people here have been calling for. What it's going to do is give us a smaller window, ensure that we've got players available for the entirety of, of the competition, hopefully top Australian players, you know, for significant chunks of that as well, and, mm. and give every match some, some genuine meaning, right? Which, yeah. at the moment, the Big Bash, a lot of us haven't watched very much of it over the summer, and it'll take centre stage now that the international stuff's um, all, all done and dusted, but mm. it'll give it that greater relevancy. I think, um, you know, on this topic, the NFL's always held up as the gold standard of a competition yeah. that doesn't try to cram too many matches yep. into into the competition and, and, and recognises that having every match mean something is far more important than, than just having, you know, endless fixtures. And I think Test Cricket, you know, we have to find a solution 
with the international game and, and the franchise game to, to get them working you know, hand in glove as much as possible. Yeah, I totally agree because I'm the same as you. I, I don't watch much 2020, if any, apart from the world champs because one game blurs into the next. And you're right, if there's a proper internationals on, I'll watch that rather than those games. But let me ask you about this Aussie side because it has been on a roll, uh, Pete. And is it as simple as, you know, it's taken a little while, but is it as simple as, uh, you know, Langer goes, Cummings takes over, and suddenly we're on we're on a straight line. Is it that simple? I think it, 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 you can't deny that it, it must be a factor. I mean, you know, the intensity of Justin Langer and the way he coached, um, you know, clearly reached its, its use-by date with that particular group of players. And, mm. and, you know, I've seen comparisons made with, with Eddie Jones or, or Michael Checker, some of these other... Aussie coaches in, in rugby where, you know, they have, you know, they're so intense, they demand so much of their group that, you know, in a day and age where people are, are growing up, perhaps, um, you know, the old school mentality doesn't necessarily work in the same way. And mm. this is an Australian team that, that appears to be, you know, really tight as a unit and playing for one another. I, I don't know if you saw when our, our wicketkeeper Alex Carey um, brought up his maiden test century. Mm. It was the bloke at the other end, the non-striker Cameron Green, jumping in the air with the, the big celebration, um, you know, even bigger than Kerry's itself. And that's genuine. You can't fake that kind of stuff. Nah. You know, that's, that's Mark Leishman jumping in the air, punching on the 18th at Augusta when Adam Scott becomes the first Aussie to win the Masters. That's, that's, that's pretty unique when you see that kind of stuff. So yeah. they seem to be gelling as a unit. Um, huge, huge tour to India um, coming you know, just a few weeks away now. We haven't won over there since 2004. I think India have won 24 of their last 25 tests at home wow. or something like that. Jeez. So it's going to be a massive challenge, oh. um, and, and that'll really um, give us a clearer picture, I guess, of where we stand in the pecking order. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, you mentioned, you know, Davey Warner, he's a guy over here we love to hate, you know, because basically, you know, every time we seem to play Aussie, Warner always scores big. And that double ton, I mean, I was watching it, and he was jumping around like a frog, you know, because of the, the cramps and whatever. But that guy, and like you say, Kawaja, who's not getting younger, the form they're in is unbelievable. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, you look at Kawaja, um, you know, even Steve Smith, 33, 34, and, and Warner, age 36. I mean, we do need to start thinking about who, who the next crop coming through are going to be. But that being said, um, you know, th- these guys have earned the right to go and play in that, that Indian tour. They've earned the right to go and play the Ashes in England mm. in the middle of the year. Um, and you know, I think as Jimmy Anderson has so wonderfully demonstrated, you know, for England, yeah. if you're good enough, who cares how old you are? Absolutely. And, and, you know, at age 40, 41, he's playing elite cricket. I think he was named in the Wisdom Test 11 of the year. And, and there's no reason why some of these guys can't carry on for, for two, three, four more years at, at this test level as well. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, you mentioned your bowling attack and... and uh, Lion is just unbelievable. You know, he's always getting wickets. You know, it's like he's programmed to come in and, and take wickets at big moments. That guy has been, I think, un, I don't like to say it, but underrated by many people. Well, I think absolutely he has. I mean, he's, you know, even here in Australia, he's, he's more famous for the fact that he was kind of tongue in cheek referred to as, as the GOAT and, you know, the greatest of all time. But. Mm. But he is probably the greatest Australian uh, you know, finger spinner of all time. He's got an unbelievable record, yeah. uh, more than 400 test wickets, mm. um, you know, and, and an incredibly important part of, of that Australian team. And uh, I don't know how closely you'll remember it, but mm. 
certainly as an Australian, the, the quest to be Shane Warne's heir apparent yes. was a poison chalice for mm. a long time. We saw lots of people, you know, wrist or finger spinner, come in and play one, two, three, four, five, maybe test matches trying to take that mantle, and, and it took a long time. I don't know if you remember Nathan Horrocks selling his, his, you know, his, his oh. test whites in a garage sale after being dropped from the Aussie team. It oh, was geez. considered, you know, the, the hardest thing to do coming in after Shane Warne, and, mm. and Nathan Lyon, you know, came in and, and has made that spot his own. So the battle to be the second spinner, or, or even we may go with three spinners in some of these tests in India, will be a really interesting one to follow. We're taking four spinners. The squad was announced about an hour ago, so wow. there are four specialist spinners going, so that's going to be really interesting to follow. That's going to be great to watch. And then, like you said, you've got Eng- England after that. Now, at the moment, England, along with yourselves, you're the two, you know... Well, certainly England are definitely an exciting team. Everyone's saying baseball. We can't wait for them to come here, of course, you know, Brendan McCullum being the coach. What do you think this uh, Aussie team will do when they take on England? Because obviously in the Ashes, there's a lot to play for. How are they going to count them? Will they have a plan? Oh, they'll absolutely have a plan. It's just whether it's the right one. I think that, um, you know, you've got to be really careful um, you know, when you're playing against England that you're, you know, you're still playing your own game. And, and I think it's fantastic. You know, I, I think any lover of cricket would say the way that, that Brendan McCullum has revolutionised that team and, mm. and Ben Stokes and, um, you know, the way they're playing is unbelievable to watch. But you've still got to play your own game. And, and yes, we've got some really naturally aggressive batsmen. You know, you talk of David Warner, you talk of, of Travis Head, um, you know, but, but we've got to make sure we're not trying to match them, you know, and, and, and play in their style, and we've got to stick to our strengths. You know, last time we were in England, and we saw guys like David Warner, you know, struggle against against the seeming ball, and um, they really just got to focus, I think, on, on their own technique and, and playing, you know, whatever tactics they decide. Mm. They need to be tactics that are designed to bring the best out of our players, uh, you know, rather than than focusing entirely on on how we're going to counter England. That's very exciting, man. The cricket's going to be awesome. Hey, of course, there's lots of other things happening uh, as well. Pete, the Aussie Open starts next week. Um, I've got to ask you, Novak Djokovic is back in town. What is the feeling amongst the Aussies? Is it love? Is it oh, no? Is it is it good or bad? Do you know what? I've been really surprised that there's been very little pushback Wow. Novak. After what happened last year, you know, last year everyone had an opinion yeah. on whether he should have been allowed in, and whether what he did was wrong, whether he was treated appallingly. Mm. You know, do you mix politics with sport, etc. Yeah. This time around, and I think you've got to take your hat off a little bit to Novak. And Novak's never been the most likable of athletes, mm. um, but he's been pretty humble. Um, you know, he hasn't done a lot of complaining about last year, and he, he did. You know, regardless of the fact that he did the wrong thing in regards to his entry. He did still end up in a you know a, a pretty awful situation <laughs> in a hotel in a holding pattern until he was kicked out with you know f- food arriving that was barely fit for a, you know for a prisoner. Um, so you could understand if he was pretty filthy and dirty on it. Yeah. Said, I don't want to come back. Yeah, there is this little something about trying to win the most Grand Slams of all time that is driving attendance a little bit as well. But yes. he loves playing down here. We've got a huge. Eastern European, Eastern European, sorry, population down in Melbourne. Oh. Uh, so he'll have lots of supporters down there. Okay. Um, he is really popular with Melbourne Park. And, um, you know, he spent significant time in Australia even as a child. So he always talks about Melbourne being his second home. Mm. Uh, and I was reading something this morning saying that in Adelaide where he's been playing, 
the people have been really, really excited to have him in town and been really, really supportive. So um, I, I perhaps expected or anticipated a little bit more pushback. That's the society we live in these days, and yeah. everyone has an opinion and wants to make sure they're heard. But but I've been um, you know, pleasantly surprised that, for the most part, people are, are pretty happy to welcome a guy who's one of the greatest tennis players we've ever seen. And I think you know we know that, that there's no Federer anymore. No. You know, Rafa's obviously had it a pretty concerning uh, lead into to the Oz Open. His form doesn't look great. No. So, um, I, I think people just don't want to take for granted how long we're going to get to, to watch these, you know, top, top, top players in their own backyard. Yeah, that's, I'm exactly the same. You know, I'm, I was sad when Federer retired and now you look at Rafa and it looks like he's you know, still struggling a bit. Hopefully, you know, Novak can go to the final. But of course, you know, what about your man, you know, Nick Kyrgios? Uh, he's, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, not hometown pressure, but a lot of hope that he can, you know, make the final. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about polarising athletes. You know, Nick Kyrgios probably the most polarising athlete in the world. Everyone has an opinion on whether they love him or hate him, and, and you won't find many in the middle. Me, personally, I love him. He's a showman. Um, you know, he's not an angel, and, and he's not perfect, but who amongst us is? Um, he plays in an individual sport, and he's about as individual as you get. So I, I think last year we started to finally see him fulfilling uh, some of his potential and, and playing to the level that... Most people who know a lot more about tennis than I do yeah. have always maintained that he is a top 10, even top 5 talent on his day. It's mm. just a case of him being un- able to unpack you know, the, the, um, you know, the fitness and, and being in a physical place that, that he can have the longevity for a sport like tennis. We, you know, we've always known you know, if, a game goes, if, if a match goes to four or five sets, it's pretty unlikely he comes out on top. Well, well he flipped the switch on that last year and, and started winning some of those longer matches. He's got unbelievable technique. Um, he seems to be in a, a better place than he has been. Some pretty well-publicised well-being challenges over the journey for him as well. Mm. Um, but he does have a, a, a bit of a, a minor injury which has kept us from seeing anything of him yet this summer. So that's a concern that he doesn't have a huge body of work behind him going into the Open. From his perspective, he says that's because he, he's actually wanting to make sure he's preserving his energy and he's putting himself in as good a position to be successful as possible by not using up too much of that energy and fitness now. So you've got to hope that, that he knows a hell of a lot more of, about his body and what it's capable of than the rest of us do. And, and we see him come in you know, refreshed, energised, you know, absolutely kind of tailoring his preparation, you know, to be ready to go as, as soon as that tournament kicks off. Yeah, look, I, I always wonder when I watch him play, how does his, the people in the box, how do they cope with all the crap he throws at them? Because it, I know he does it to get himself motivated. Do they just go, oh, he's just doing it to get himself going and accept it? Is that how it works? It's like those comedians when they go and you know get roasted on on global television and sit there while everyone makes jokes at their expense, and you think, God, you'd go home and just sit fully clothed in the shower and and just wonder, you know, is that all worth going on any longer? It's kind of the same. Like, why, exactly to your point, why would you want to put yourself in the firing line? But look, he's he's acknowledged over the journey that these are people who mean a lot to him, and, yeah. and that you know they support him and they understand. You know, that that's part of their role. I think we saw Novak do it um, in Adelaide just the other day. So tennis players, you know, it, it takes a pretty unique human being to be able to, to tour the world playing such a, an individual sport. I mean, don't even get me started on 
the keyboard warriors and social media abuse that tennis players get because it's about as bad as, it, as you get in any sport. It's so intrinsically linked to to sports betting and, and people all over the world, you mm. know, hurling abuse at, at players who, who lose matches or, or let alone even lose sets or points, um, you know, that the people are betting on. So it'd be a huge toll it would take on, on your well-being and having the right people around you, I think for a lot of tennis players, mm. includes having people around you who are able to take, you know, you're able to take some of your frustrations out of <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, uh, on the women's side, um, what's the story with Ash Barty? Has she ever, is, has she been drawn back to playing tennis or that's a no-go no more? No, she's pregnant. She broke the internet oh. a couple of days ago with her announcement on Instagram. So expecting her first oh. child and okay. um, you know, Crash Critic here in in, uh, in Brisbane, Robert Craddock, yes. you know, hugely respected uh, sports journalist. You know, he he I think he he ghost wrote her autobiography recently, and and he's unequivocal. She won't come back, even at age twenty five. Wow. The burning desire for her. I mean, we just spoke about the toll that yeah. being a touring professional would take on you and and he said for her she identified you know pretty early when she took a break from tennis you know and and went and played in the women's bbl Mm. um you know you're only talking six or seven years ago she identified that the pressure cooker environment wasn't going to be something that she wanted to be part of for the long term she loves being at home she loves being with her partner playing golf Uh, you know she's very passionate about you know her extended family she Mm. talks about um you know when she announced her pregnancy you know they were talking about the fact that since she retired after the Oz Open last year, she's been having, you know, her nieces will come and have sleepovers, you know, once a week and, and this sort of thing. She just wants to be here and, That's cool. um, you know, and, and she doesn't owe anybody anything. So, look, she'll be down at, at Melbourne. I think she's probably got sponsor obligations that she was tied into, um, you know, at such a time that they thought she'd be playing and yeah. go down and do that instead. Um, you might see her pop up with some commentary. She's a wonderful speaker, an incredible ambassador, not only for the sport but but for the country. Really, we all love her, and um, it, it'll be a bit of a shame. Yeah, you know, certainly, she's the, the type of athlete. I remember speaking to Ricardo Ball on, on your station at this time last year, and yeah. uh, you know, just saying she is an athlete that every Australian, you know, just takes such pride in the way that she represents us, and and we're all drawn to the television and desperate to watch her succeed and. It'll feel like something's missing. Mm. Uh, you know, no Barty, no Federer, no Naomi Osaka. It's, mm. it's going to feel a little bit strange at this Oz Open, but that's the beauty of the Oz Open. Every year, um, you know, stories come out of that, that tournament that, that nobody saw coming um, and that we all get behind. And whether they're Australian players or whether they're, you know, people on incredible journeys, it could be Andy Murray at the back end of a career that yeah. we all thought was over. It could be, you know, the unknown 20-year-old who comes through the qualifiers. Yep. Yeah, does the Eugenie Bouchard from a few years ago. It's just a great tournament that galvanises the nation. We all become tennis experts for about three weeks a year and forget about it and see next January. But, um, but no, it's great. We're looking forward to it. And uh, certainly in my household, there'll be plenty of nights uh, watching all the action and, and even in the workplace you've always got the TV on in the background Yeah look it's good times for us here too we'll be watching it as we always do as well and uh, look Pete it's not even the league season the NRL hasn't even started and once it's in the news again Selwyn Cobbo from the Broncos is bagging his own coach what is going on? Yeah, nobody does off-seasons like the NRL. Oh. This has probably been their tamest one in, in quite some time. But, you know, you do still have numerous players who've been stood down for, you know, for different disciplinary reasons and all sorts of stories bubbling away. And I think it's a, a sign of, uh, you know, how 
anticipated that type of behaviour is, that, that more people don't get more upset or up in arms and we just kind of anticipate that those types of things are going to happen. This is a little bit different. Selwyn Cobbo, a young Indigenous superstar mm. from the Brisbane Broncos, made his State of Origin debut last year, did a podcast back in October and basically said, oh, yeah, Kevin Walters, our head coach, no, he can't coach. Oh, he's a good bloke, but no, he can't coach. Oh, Absolutely can't coach. It's, I've never heard, you know, and, and, and you look at the transcript, um, I, I listened to the audio and he said, you know, people need to listen to the full podcast to understand the context. Mm. But I'm sorry. Um, you know, I know how athletes and media train these days. I know, um, you know, what I've listened to and, and, and what I've heard. And, yeah, he, he's absolutely saying that his head coach can't coach. There's no two ways about it. He might think he's a great bloke, but he's he's painting a crystal clear picture of a guy who, who he doesn't think is capable of improving him or his team. Oh, uh, it comes man. off the back of another podcast by a Broncos player last year. Tyson Gamble went on a podcast and basically said, oh, yeah, Adam Reynolds is the guy who really kind of leads the team and, and oh, he's in charge of our tactics and, and how we execute. And, um, you know, at the time he had to come out and apologise. It's, it's awful for Kevin Walters, whether he can coach or not, He's in a position where he's been so completely undermined. Yeah. Um, and if you're thinking, you know, carrot or stick here, well, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because if you put an arm around the guys and say, you know, they've been, um, you know, they've been taken out of context, I forgive them, you know, we're all here to do a job together and let's move on. You can't change the past. Well, you, you're kind of letting them get away with it and, and you're not stamping your mark on, on the team and, on the flip side, if you if you whack them too hard, you know, as we talked about before, athletes will go, well, I was just being honest. You know, I, I don't need to be here. I don't need to cop this. I'll go and play somewhere else. You're talking about an elite talent, a yeah. guy who, who could play Origin for the next, you know, half a dozen to a dozen years, um, a guy who, you know, comes from a, an Indigenous community, uh, you know, is, is pretty inexperienced, mm. perhaps a bit rabbit in the headlight in terms of, of the podcast appearance in hindsight. Um, you know, and there have been rumblings here in Queensland over the last couple of years about his professionalism and his adjustment to, to being a full-time athlete. Mm. Um, but the reality is, he's almost—I would almost say—he's gone as far as making Kevin Walters' position untenable. He's already under pressure. Oh man! Um, you know, after they failed to make the finals again last year, if the Broncos start the season poorly, um, you know, the Broncos are a massive team in the NRL landscape. They're a huge deal here in Brisbane. Mm. You've got the Dolphins entrance to competition for the first time this year. The Broncos can't afford to have a team that's seen as, as being um, irrelevant or, or, or can't be, you know, mm. seen to have a coach who's seen as, as not up to, to NRL standard. They are not a club that allows that type of thing to happen on their watch. So... For me, it's a huge watch this space. I, I must admit, I haven't looked at their their first four or five rounds um, in, in any detail. But mm. if they don't get off to a good start, I can't see Kevin Walters, you know, making it really to, as far as Easter. Oh my gosh, the NRL! You're right. It's it, it's the 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 sport that just never stops giving. Hey Pete, hey, thank you so much for your time tonight, mate. Enjoy uh, enjoy the tennis and everything else, and we'll talk to you again next time. Good on you, mate. Take care. Lovely to chat. You too. There you go, Pete Fairburn from uh, Australia. It's uh, always good talking with Pete.